This is Dina Weiss on Parashat Mishpatim. You are the perpetrator. Rabbi Menachem Mendel Hager tells a story that gets to the core of what Parashat Mishpatim is really about and why it is critical that we study it. Once, the most distinguished of the Hasidim was sitting with the Katzker Rebbe. The Rebbe asked each one of them to say something about that week's Torah portion, which was Parashat Mishpatim. One of them responded and said, If the thief was found tunneling, should be read as if tunneling, that is, if a person digs very well and probes his heart to examine his actions, the thief will be found. He will find a thief there. And the Rebbe praised him. The verse that the Chassid explains comes from the laws of theft outlined in this week's parsha. If the thief is found tunneling and he is struck and dies, he does not have blood. If the sun shines upon him, he does have blood. He must pay it back, and if he does not have it, he should be sold for his theft. The text makes a distinction between a thief who enters someone else's property in broad daylight and a thief who tunnels into someone else's house at night. According to verse 1, if the thief breaks in at night and the homeowner ends up killing him, the homeowner is not liable for that murder. However, the chassid redirects the meaning of this verse in two significant ways. First, he metaphorizes the scene. The home now represents a person's heart or conscience, and the tunneling into the home represents going into the dark recesses of one's inner chambers and looking critically at the thoughts and actions that reside there. The second, perhaps more significant shift that the Hasid makes is that he clarifies who is the addressee of the verse. The Hasid's rereading forces you to identify yourself not as the homeowner who is being burgled, but as the thief, not as the plaintiff, but as the defendant. And he assures you that if you are open to really looking at yourself, who you are, and who you have the potential to be, you will find that you too are a thief. This understanding is underscored by a somewhat surprising statement made in the Talmud about people who are suspected of sinning. Amar Rabbi Ruvein ben Astrobili, Ein adam nachshad bedavar el imkain asa'o, v'im lo asa kulo, asa miktato, v'im lo asa miktato, hir her belibo lasoto, v'im lo hir her belibo lasoto, ra'a achirim sh'asu, v'samach. Rabbi Ruvein, the son of Astrobili, said, A person is only suspected of something if he has done it, or if he has not done it entirely, he has done it in part. And if he has not done it in part, he contemplated doing it. And if he did not contemplate it, then he saw others doing it and was pleased. It is possible to read the statement of Rabbi Ruben ben Astrobili in its most literal sense. If you have been accused of a crime, you must have committed it in some way. But the lesson to be gleaned from his statement is not about what you have or have not done. It's about realizing who you are. 
he is teaching you to cultivate a certain disposition. When a person is accused of a crime that they haven't committed, one's first reaction is to be angry and defensive. I didn't do it. How could you say that I didn't? I'm a good person. Rabbi Ruvain's teaching encourages you to examine and then resist this instinct. While it is true that you may be innocent of this particular crime, you are not innocent by definition. None of us is. We all have desires that we haven't acted upon yet. The only way to remain innocent is to be aware of our own susceptibility to sin. It is not inappropriate for us to be suspected of a crime that we didn't commit, because even if we haven't done it, we most certainly could have. The Ma'or Shemesh reflects this concern in his teachings about Parashat Mishpatim. The parasha opens, and these are the laws that you shall place before them. Rashi comments that the phrase, and these, frames these laws as a continuation of the Ten Commandments that were given in the previous Torah portion. Both the broad principles in the Ten Commandments and the detailed laws contained in this parsha were given at Mount Sinai, Har Sinai. This suggestion of Rashi's catches the attention of the Ma'or Vashemesh, since Rashi already stated at the beginning of Parashat Bahar that all of the mitzvot were given on Har Sinai. Why would the laws of Mishpatim need to be singled out as having Sinaitic origin? The Ma'or Vashemesh resolves the challenge he constructed by redefining what it means for a law to come from Sinai. He answers that the significance of a law as having come from Sinai is not that the revelation on the mountain is the source of the law's authority, but rather that Sinai-ness is a reflection of the way in which the law was initially encountered. The experience of receiving these laws and studying them should reflect the experience of the Sinaitic revelation, which was characterized by panic and trepidation. These laws, no less than any other laws, need to be studied with a sense of fear. Therefore, when a person studies Torah, they should do tshuva first, to recreate the feeling of fear and even unworthiness that the people experience when they receive the Torah for the very first time. The laws of damages are singled out as being from Sinai, even though all laws are considered to be from Sinai, because they are especially susceptible to losing their Sinaitic character. They are the most likely to have the opposite of their intended effect. Instead of making you more humble and afraid as you receive them, they are likely to make you less so. These laws are designed to make you more careful about your behavior, to encourage the sense that you could be culpable and responsible, but they often leave you feeling self-righteous and invincible instead. Because the laws are so intricate and interesting, you could find yourself lost in the abstract conversation. You could even become more arrogant than you were before. Meod meod 
כשיחדש איזה חידוש בלימודו. לכן צריך ביותר קודם שישב ללמוד דיני ממונות לעשות תשובה. ויתחרט אחת האב ויאמוד אותה באימה ויראה וברטט וזיעה. When a person learns books of Musar, moral instruction, and the like, since they awaken a person to repent, it is easy to learn them with trepidation and awe. But when one learns abstract Talmudic arguments and halakha, especially monetary laws, it is exceedingly difficult to learn with trepidation and awe. To the contrary, it could bring him to arrogance, God forbid, when he has an innovative insight into the topic in the course of his learning. Therefore, he needs to be more careful to do tshuva and regret his sins before he sits to study monetary laws, and then he can study them properly, with trepidation and awe, panic and perspiration. The Ma'orva Shemesh contrasts the study of the laws of our Parsha with teachings that are more explicitly about moral development. When you read a book of Musar, it is clear to you that the instructions are relevant to your character and behavior, and that the recommendations are there for you to apply to your own moral development. But when you read the laws of damages, it isn't clear to you that you are really being addressed by the law. You don't feel that there is anything in them that teaches you about your own behavior, your own character, and your own responsibilities to God's world. What he doesn't say explicitly, but is another clear and present danger in these laws, is that if you do see yourself in them, you are much more likely to see yourself as the victim rather than the perpetrator. So the laws of damages need to be studied with an extra amount of awareness of our imperfections, of the relevance of these laws to our current or potential selves. We need to remember that we too can create unsafe situations. We can hurt other people and their property. We can be destructive in ways both large and small. In Bhavakama 30a, the tractate of the Talmud that treats the majority of the laws discussed in Parashat Mishpatim, Rav Yehuda makes a clear recommendation for one who wants to be pious. Amar Rav Yehuda, Hai man debae lemeheve chasida likayim mile denizikim. Rabbi Yehuda says, one who wants to be a pious person should keep all of the matters pertaining to damages. When one first encounters this statement, it seems like a fairly low bar. Most people are basically law-abiding and do not find themselves prosecuted for theft and damages. Is Rabbi Yehuda really saying that all one needs to do in order to be deeply pious is this bare minimum requirement? What Rav Yehuda is really teaching is that the laws of damages are much more relevant than they seem at first. When you look more closely at these scenarios and see yourself reflected in them, you can see the ways in which you subtly cause other people financial hardship, the ways in which you might cause harm to other people's bodies, how you take advantage of other people and disadvantage them in small and often imperceptible ways. The laws of damages distinguish between innocent animals that are unlikely to cause harm, tam, and animals with a track record of dangerous behavior, muad. If an animal which was not already known to be dangerous then caused damage, the owners are only responsible to pay for half of the loss. 
whereas owners of dangerous animals must cover the full amount. By default, an animal has to display a pattern of violent behavior before it is considered mu'ad. However, there are some animals who are deemed categorically mu'ad and are considered to be fundamentally dangerous. These animals include bears, lions, wolves, and human beings. The Mishnah and Bhavakama states unequivocally, Adam mu'ad le'olam, a person is always attested as likely to cause harm. Bain shogeg, bain mezid, bain er, bain yeshen. Simeet ein chavero, v'shiver takelim, mishalem nezek shalem. A person is always attested as likely to cause harm, whether accidentally or intentionally, awake or asleep. If he blinds the eye of another or breaks his vessels, he pays full damages. This Mishnah teaches that, like the owner of an animal who has a reputation for aggression, human beings must always bear full responsibility for the damage they cause. However, the language of Mu'ad as applied to humanity indicates that not only are we fully responsible for our own actions and fully liable for any damages that we cause, we are also considered to be inherently likely to cause harm. We are all fundamentally menacing to society. The lesson of this categorization is not only you break it, you buy it. It is also watch yourself. You are a dangerous being and you cannot claim that you are innocent or that you did not know. You can easily read and study the Torah as a manual for how other people should treat you, how they can do right by you. They shouldn't steal from you they shouldn't covet your house, their oxen shouldn't gore yours, and their sheep should not graze on your property. If you study the Torah in this way, it can teach you a lot of laws, but it won't teach you how to be a better person. The purpose of the Torah is to make you more vigilant about your own actions, more concerned about preventing the harm that you do to others than with extracting revenge from those who do harm to you. Parashat Mishpatim is not a collection of cases about oxen and thieves and dangerous pits. It is about you. It is a reflection of your own ability to cause harm and a collection of the myriad ways in which you do so. Reading this parashat should fill our hearts with dread and awareness of our capacity to be agents of destruction. Studying this parashat should strengthen our commitments to be vigilant, cautious, generous and kind. Wishing you a Shabbat safe from harm. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Divrei Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.